Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that? in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The volume. Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabert. Alongside me is Logan Camden. And today, we're going to be breaking down all of the NFL Week 10 action. And if you are watching this show on YouTube, then you'll notice that this is on the Nerd Sesh page. That's where all of our shows are going to be going forward. So, if you want to make sure that you are notified when we are posting you want to subscribe to the nerd sesh channel now maybe set those post notifications too if you want so let's start logan with what i think was probably the game of the day very very exciting back and forth the detroit lions end up coming out with a 41 38 win over the chargers what did you take away from that I think a lot of people got the narrative wrong on Jameer Gibbs, Carson. That's who I want to start with mm, in this game. Mm-hmm. Who absolutely blew me away. After the first couple of weeks when David Montgomery was eating uh, between the tackles, dominating 100-plus yards consistently on the ground, really engineering the Lions offense, was the leader of the offense behind that offensive line. A lot of people were saying, oh, the Lions got their pick wrong. They should have gone somewhere on defense. They should have gone somewhere else with the pick. And if you still have that sentiment with how their defense is played, I completely understand, right? You already have a workhorse bell cow running back. Maybe you don't need another one. But I always thought Jameer Gibbs was a home run hitter, a really versatile weapon that the Lions could use. And I think you see the value of him in this game and how Ben Johnson used him. That's what I want to focus on. When David Montgomery went out, the Lions tried to run Jameer Gibbs through the tackles. Jameer's not a between-the-tackles kind of guy. It's not like this offensive line is any worse. It's still one of the best offensive lines in all of football, but you see it in this game against the Chargers. They bounce him outside, and it works. I mean, they crush the Chargers' defense. He's a weapon in the receiving game. He's super explosive. He's got crazy gas. He's got crazy agility. He's a big-time playmaker, and I think the Lions uh, should be really thankful to have him. On top of that, I want to give a big shout-out to Ben Johnson. I think he's one of the best offensive coordinators in the game, and what an immaculate game plan it was in this one. And shout out Dan Campbell. Carson, we did it. 
for weeks we've been saying every time we talk about the Lions, what does what does Dan Campbell have, Carson? Balls. Huge ones. Huge ones. Yeah. Huge balls. <laughs> In the presser after the game, <laughs> the quote out of Dan Campbell's mouth, Jared Goff has massive balls <laughs> verbatim. That's the quote. Me and Carson. That's have my seen guy, that bro. That's my head coach. <laughs> I would run through a wall for Dan Campbell, man. He talked, he said that Jared Goff has massive balls. That's how I feel about this entire team. First drive yeah. of the game, it's fourth and five. They hand the ball off between the tackles, and they get it all the way down to the final possession when they go for it. The Lions fear nothing. They are fearless. I love it. They go for it on fourth down, the risk takers. Uh, the Lions, to me, are a true contender, and the only thing holding them back really is their secondary, man. You see it, the Chargers... Tear him up. Herbert has a real field day against them. We saw it against Geno Smith. That's my one concern with this team because they've got Gibbs, home run hitter. Montgomery's back. Awesome to have between the tackles. Ben Johnson is an awesome offensive coordinator. They utilize and weaponize their weapons so well. They're super talented. I trust Goff to steer the ship. My one concern still is with this defense. Cam Sutton, I think, gives up 14 points by himself. Uh, in this one, dude, they stopped the Chargers on one possession seven straight times at the one-yard line. How did they get down there? Well, you get a P.I. on Cam Sutton that puts them all the way down in the red zone, and then he gets another P.I. in the red zone that gives them a fresh set of downs. Uh, he gives up almost 14 points single-handedly. And that's my only concern, really, with the Lions, man. I think they've got a, a good front seven. I just worry about this secondary and how it limits them against big-time passing offenses when it comes playoff time because if you run into Dallas guess what Dak and CD look like they can dot you up you know I know how the first game went the Eagles they've got that aerial attack that's the one area where I think the Lions are lacking but I really think they check all of the other boxes uh you know in terms of being a real competitor and being a, a playoff contender yeah, well, there's no question everybody on the team has massive balls, and they just take care of business, man. They go out there, and if they are more talented than you, they are going to physically impose themselves. They are going to out-execute you. They are going to be aggressive and trust their talented players to beat you in big-time situations, and that has overwhelmingly paid off. I do think that they are lacking that signature win since the Chiefs game, which was a very weird mm -hmm. one in which they had the defensive touchdown. Just a strange game. They lose to the Seahawks in what was a shootout. They get manhandled by the Ravens. They've beaten up on a lot of pretty bad teams as they've gotten to this point at 7-2, and two, but they're still one of the most consistently good football teams in the NFL right now, and it is a very high-powered offense you talk about Jameer, no question that he is a special weapon in space. I think that we also have to give props for how consistently great Amon Ross St. Brown is. Just another year where he's fifth in receiving yards per game right now. One of five dudes putting up over 100 yards per game. And the rest of the group is Tyreek having a historically great season. Jettas, who we talked about nonstop before he got injured. A.J. Brown who we're talking about all the time as he's having such a dynamic season for the Eagles. CD has come on crazy strong and is doing it for this major brand with the Cowboys. And then it's Amon Ra, who I just don't feel like it's discussed at that level. He has another dominant outing in this one. Goff has been so consistently good. They come up with the four or five fourth down conversions. They just did what they do offensively. And they really got whatever they wanted in this game. You talk about the success that Jameer had outside the tackles. David Montgomery had a lot of success between the tackles. And he also had that one monstrous run. Jared Goff was barely pressured in this game. 
And that, to me, says a lot about the defense they're going up against as well. The Chargers continue to be an embarrassment on that front. Logan, they've played five games against top half-scoring offenses this year. And in those games, they're allowing 30.4 points per game. Obviously abysmal. But probably even more embarrassingly, 474 yards per game. They allow 533 in this one. 200 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, six and a half yards per carry. I mentioned that monster David Montgomery run, terrible tackling and really unimpressive pursuit. I mean, their guys just sort of got blocked out of the play. It never seemed like Montgomery was going to score a touchdown as he was just making his way down the sideline. It's not like he has top end speed in the open field, but he ends up making it happen. You have the big time completion to Khalif Raymond, his explosive play of the day which was just baffling to me. I want to see the all 22 on that because we didn't get a great angle on the broadcast, but it looked as though there was nobody on his side of the field and he just ran uncontested for about 20 yards. I don't know if Goff fooled everybody with the play action or what was going on, but it seemed like once he beat his man, he just had basically free, free turf. He could just run as far as he wanted. So you just continue to see these embarrassing defensive moments from the Chargers and this is like the vintage Chargers loss of the last few years. Justin Herbert was amazing in this game, and he has had rough moments in recent weeks. He was bad against the Cowboys. He was bad against the Jets, but this was a masterclass, and he did it with only one legitimately good, healthy receiver out there, as has been the case for them ever since Mike Williams got hurt, but it was him and Keenan over and over in this game. He was basically perfect with the exception of the one interception, but... They couldn't run the ball with any sort of efficiency, which is always the case, and they just got embarrassed defensively, and the Chargers remain a not-good football team, an unserious football team, whose only wins this year are over the Vikings, where they were helped out by some turnovers, the Raiders, the Bears, and the Jets. They just remain a big-time disappointment, and it's not even really surprising at this point, but this is just what they do when they were doing it at the highest level in this one. This is what they do. This is the most Chargers loss of all time. I'm so glad you said that. You score 38 points and you lose. And it's like every single time I look up, dude, I'd come from, oh, you know, I made myself a meal. Oh, another touchdown. Look, the Chargers got scored on. Oh, I went to the bathroom. Oh, look, the Chargers getting scored on again. They just can't answer, and it's been the case during the entire Brandon Staley era, man. They've never ranked better than 21st in scoring defense. They've always been a horrible defense, and it's sad because I saw a stat. Shout out to CBS Sports. Carson, Justin Herbert has an exactly even record in his career, and he his team has allowed the exact same amount of points as he has scored uh, for them in his time period as the quarterback. He just needs some defensive help, and then this team can be a real contender. I think that Staley's gone after this year. Oh, I, I would have fired him after the Jets Absolutely. Game. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion. And that's something that I want to hit on with the Lions too, Carson. It's imperative that the Lions strike either this year or next. I think time is really of the essence for the Lions to make a push for one reason and one reason only. And that's the fact that because of how dominant Ben Johnson is as an offensive coordinator, because of how smart he is, I think it's only a matter of time until he gets a head coaching offer from somebody in this league. And, you know, I know you were talking about, like, McDermott with Dable, right? How you wanted Dable to maybe get promoted and McDermott slide to D.C. or get bounced. I don't think you fire Dan Campbell or anything like that. I don't think that's justifiable. He's a great leader. But you don't want to lose someone like Ben Johnson. And 
you know, every offseason with good coordinators, it can happen really quick. So if it's this year or next, I think the Lions have to strike quick because I only think it's a matter of time, man. I think Ben Johnson might be the best offensive coordinator in the league, dude. He's got a lot of talent to work with here, but he's phenomenal, and he's the reason. He's a big part of why this offense is so successful. Yeah, first of all, they never could have demoted Sean McDermott to defensive coordinator. You can't take the head coach and say, hey, how would you like to take another position within the organization? I think that Ben Johnson is very important to the Lions' success. He is very valuable. I also do think, though, that Dan Campbell could maintain a lot of the principles that have already been established. He's still an offensive mind. He still has a role in that offense. I think that Ben Johnson deserves the lion's share of the credit, but I think that Dan Campbell in his totality is also very, very valuable because of what he means to the culture and because I think that he could still do a good job as a play caller and as the offensive mind here. So I like the Lions window. I mean, they have some really, really good players on rookie contracts here. So I think that they're going to be damn good for the entirety of this year. I think they're going to be damn good next year. And I think the Chargers are just going to keep on disappointing as they do. But you know who never disappoints us? Logan C.J. Stroud, who took part in the other game of the day, really came up with another game-winning drive to beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. How impressed were you by him and Houston in this one? I'm astounded. I'm I'm baffled. I'm blown away. And I hope people... He's flabbergasted. I really, I really hope that the C.J. Stroud talk, I hope we're not oversaturating him because I feel like everybody's on him every week. Oh, look at what C.J. Stroud's doing this week in and out. But it really is... We've been saying, you know, for four weeks now, Carson, this is one of the greatest rookie runs of all time. He might be the greatest rookie passer of all time. I mean, it, it again, it's such rare company. And to do it in this fashion, too, he's doing superhuman QB stuff, game in, game out. Uh, the one play that blew me away in this game was that play-action bootleg to the left side, the touchdown that doesn't count to Robert Woods. Stroud rolls out. It's a play designed to go to the left side and for him to make a quick pass. It's not there. He turns field, runs all the way back to the right side of the field, avoiding pressure, and throws a dot across his body to Robert Woods in the back of the end zone. It gets called back because Rob stepped out of bounds, but the play extension, the arm talent, the awareness, the way he evaded the pressure, it's... You don't see that from rookie quarterbacks. Like, one of the things that's really amazed me about CJ is his... He doesn't make rookie mistakes. Like, so many guys, I feel like in that case, you may try to force a ball or you may hold on to it too long. You may fumble. He just doesn't have the the mental errors. I haven't seen growing pains with C.J. Stroud. You know, he, he's been one of the most comfortable rookies in making that transition from college football to professional. He doesn't have these lapses that we tend to see with young QBs. He's got a crazy live arm. He has a rushing TD in this game. Uh, the only real bad play is he does lose a couple of fumbles in this one. He has an interception to Cam Taylor-Britt. I think that's probably the worst throw I've seen yeah, from CJ uh, this year. But Burrow gives it right back, and it was an uncharacteristic Burrow game. I, I praise Joe Burrow so much for how much he controls the football. He plays mistake-free ball. He holds on to it. It's a big part of his game. He throws two crucial late-game picks on back-to-back -back drives, and I'll cut him a little bit of slack. Uh, Tyler Boyd does drop the TD that would have put the Bengals ahead. They end up kicking a field goal, allowing Stroud uh, to go down and get the game-winning field goal. But, again, insane poise, man. They lose the lead. It looks like the Texans are going to blow this thing, and the Bengals might come back. Stroud leads them back down there comfortably to get the 38-yard field goal. 
And I just want to stress how remarkable of a win this is and how remarkable of a turnaround this is for the Texans from last season. Carson, this is a game where they are without their number one receiver in Nico Collins. It doesn't matter. He finds Noah Brown. He finds Robert Woods. He finds Dalton Schultz, right? This is a rookie head coach. This is a rookie quarterback. They had three wins last season. And they're 5-4 and four right now looking on outside of the playoff picture. I didn't even mention they're without their starting running back. They're without a starting linebacker. They're without a starting safety. Like, the Texans should not have won this game against a Bengals team that is absolutely surging. Uh, I'm astounded with C.J. Stroud, and I do think he's the best rookie QB that I've seen. The Texans wow. are better than Herbert. Playoff. Yeah. I, uh, man, that is the one. That's the one. I think that's the one. Yep. That's tough. <laughs> yep. Herbert, Herbert, Herbert was that guy. That's a tough one. Uh, Shroud's, Shroud's meant more to winning, and I think that's I think they're in pretty similar situations, too. Not overwhelmingly great defenses, not great running games. It's neck and neck. Those are the two guys that I'd point to. But I think they're going to make a genuine playoff push, Carson. And I want to get your opinion on this, too. What do you think about... I've heard people making C.J. Stroud MVP cases uh, after this week. Listen, I don't think it's totally ludicrous. We sort of had this conversation last week. Luda. Ludicrous going in on the verse that I've never been defeated and I won't stop now. When you're sitting at 500, no matter how great your production and how great your talent, I can't really consider you for MVP. But if they continue to trend upwards and CJ maintains this level, he's going to make a legitimate case because you look at the leading candidates. Lamar has a rough outing in this one. He had been the most consistently great quarterback, I would say, up to this point. So it is an open MVP race and CJ is playing at such an unbelievably high level. He's now leading the NFL in passing yards per game. He's third in yards per attempt. We do see more special moments in this game. I mean, some really timely conversions. The third and 14, where he's dealing with a crowded pocket, he's really got no room to step up, and he just hits a perfect throw to Dalton Schultz, I believe it was. On the final drive, he's got the big-time third-down conversion again where he puts it right where it needs to be for Schultz. And you mentioned, I thought his ability to buy himself time really stood out in this game. So he does finally have the one bad mistake. He had one interception coming into this game. But he does so while leading the Texans to put up 544 yards of offense. And that's his third game with 350-plus passing yards this season and that is his second consecutive week with a big time game winning drive i really think he's probably going to carry this team to the playoffs which i could not have conceived of in the preseason regardless of how good he was because they're sitting at five and four and if you look at the remaining schedule they still have the broncos they still have the cardinals they have the jets they have the titans twice they have the colts they are going to be favored in every single one of of those games and that's six games down the stretch and i think that a lot of times when there's comparable talent level on the field what it comes down to is who can orchestrate that big time drive who can make that big time play at the quarterback position in the final two minutes that's what cj has certainly way over any of these other guys so i want to ask you a little something i think we can play a little game here i'll ask you the name of another NFL quarterback. You'll tell me if you'd rather have him or CJ Stroud at this very moment, obviously not to build around because CJ is one of the like top five quarterbacks you would want to build around, I think. Would you rather CJ Stroud or Dak Prescott right now? I knew you were coming with the Dak question. Yeah. Give me CJ. 
I think I agree. I still think I trust CJ to take slightly better care of the ball. I think that maybe the gap in interception total isn't totally reflective of their risk-taking, like CJ pushes the ball downfield, but I do think that he creates more. I think he's a better athlete. I think he is a bit more accurate. I think he's got a quick it, release. I, dude, he's uber accurate. Yeah. Like, when when CJ misses a ball, I go, man, that was weird. Yeah. Like, CJ is pinpoint, dude. That it's. I think his accuracy might be the most underrated aspect of his of his skill set. No, it's special. I think he described himself as a professional ball placer throughout the draft process. Like he is dead on, which is part of why it was so weird that he underthrew his guy by like five yards on that pick. Today. I don't know what was going on there, but how about CJ Stroud or Jared Goff? That one's tough. I mean, again, I want to stress the situation is amazing. We've seen Goff succeed yeah. in running games. CJ finally gets a little something today from Devin Singletary, who I think I think Damian Pierce's job has to be lost after today. He's been abysmal this year, mm -hmm. but I think I'm going Stroud, dude. I yeah. mean, we've seen Stroud create with worse with a worse offensive line, with worse receiving talent, yep. with a worse running game. Like CJ Stroud might be the Texans' best player, period. Yeah, I think he is. And I agree with you. There's just more creation there. We've seen what happens when you put Goff in suboptimal situations. The bad tendencies come out. The mistakes. He can't extend plays at that level. CJ's special in a vacuum. Goff is thriving in a good situation. What about Tua Tungavailoa, him or CJ? I mean, I'm not a Tua hater. I mean, this one's not close for me. I don't think CJ and Tua are in the same tier as quarterbacks. I think that there's a lot of similarities between Tua and Goff. When you're talking about guys who thrive in really good situations, Tua has obviously elite traits, the timing, the accuracy, but I think that CJ brings you a lot of those same strengths with so much more arm talent, with so much more creation and athleticism. I'm with you. So he's stamped as a top 10 guy, right? Because if we're going down those names and he's clearing all of them, I don't know who else you would throw into that conversation. Gino, I think, has been too erratic this year. Kirk would be in that conversation. Of course, he's injured right now. I think he has to be. Stafford Rodgers, I think, at full health from where, you know. Yeah, but I think CJ is better than Stafford right now. Stafford just makes too many mistakes. He's too I think I'm with you. much of a riverboat gambler. I like Stafford, but it's too much sometimes. I mean, he's top 10, and it seems like he's closing in on, you know, top 8 or top 7. I, there's not many QBs that I would take over Shroud. Yeah. He's legitimately that special. He's carrying this offense. Let's be frank. He's totally outplayed Trevor Lawrence this year. It's not even close. 100%. 100%, dude. And that's special stuff, man. That really, really is coming from the rookie. Do you have any real Bengals takes from this one? It was a weird Burrow game. Like, two really bad picks. I have no idea what he saw in that red zone interception. Yeah. Like, threw that ball into triple coverage, basically. There's no way his receiver was going to get the angle on that ball. Pretty bad overthrow on the second pick. It just sort of felt like an off day for them to some extent. And, like, CJ was just outplaying Burrow, and that was kind of the mm -hmm. deciding factor. Do you have any long-term concerns for Cincy from this game after they've been playing so well recently? No long-term concerns. I'm really impressed with Cam Taylor-Britt, dude. Yeah. He, just, he makes timely plays. He does. Uh, he's the guy that picked off Allen in the AFC title game. He makes a crucial pick against Allen when they play against the Bills. And, again, to swing the game, you give the Bengals a short field with a chance to go out there and win it when it looked like the Bengals were going to be lifeless. I trust this defense to make big plays, and I think that they're one of the more dependable defenses 
in the league. They've got a good culture. They've got really good personnel, and I think they've gotten better. Uh, the safety talent isn't, you know, that's the big thing that we've hit on all year, me and Carson, is that I don't think the safeties are as good as they were last year, but I think they've gotten better. I trust this defense. I just think that it was a really uncharacteristically bad not a horrid Joe Burrow day, but the way he turned the ball over, I just never expect that from Joe. And that did feel like the difference maker in this one. Yeah, the one other thing that I think is worth flagging is that Trey Hendrickson gets injured late in this game and is apparently going to get an MRI. It doesn't seem like it's going to be too big of a deal, but we can't really speculate at this point. And if they lose him, that's their most dynamic pass rusher. I think that that definitely changes the defensive ceiling that they can reach. But I thought that this was mostly just... CJ doing his thing, man, putting the team on his back as he has done already so many times this season. So much fun to watch. Already one of my favorite players in the NFL, point blank. Let's talk about another big time matchup that we saw this week that also came down to the wire. Browns-Ravens, Logan. The first edition of this matchup, the Ravens ran away with, and they were dictating most of this game. They were up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden, they weren't anymore. So what do you take away from this? Man, I, Deshaun looked really good in the second half, and that's the kind of Q play, that's the kind of QB play that the Browns need to be legitimate contenders. Uh, a really resilient game from Cleveland. They go down 15 points early, uh, in the fourth quarter with nine minutes remaining, they're down two touchdowns. It looked like classic Baltimore route. We're getting another nasty beatdown from the Ravens. They're rolling. And Deshaun literally played a almost perfect second half, 14-14, 14 14, 134 yards, two TDs. He goes and sets up the game-winning kick. It was masterful. It's the best half of Deshaun Watson's return to football. If the Browns can get that consistently moving forward, they are a legit contender. I looked... I don't know how the hell the Browns are six and three. I don't know how the hell the Pittsburgh Steelers are six and three. Defense, buddy. When you got a really damn good defense, they can carry you to some wins. And maybe this stamps, I know that's what the Browns were saying after the game. They think they have the best defense in football. I do think the Ravens and Browns are top five. I still think I prefer Baltimore's. Marginally, it's really close. Uh, even though Lamar throws that pick here late at the end, I think Ravens are number one. Browns might be two. Uh, but I was worried about the Browns at the start of this game. Watson's out of sync. There's no rhythm. There's no chemistry with the receivers. He's looking antsy in the pocket. Uh, and then we start seeing the Browns' defense getting pressure home on Lamar. They block a 55-yard field goal that ends up being a decent difference maker in this one. And then Lamar throws that bad pick six to Greg Newsom. Uh, I, I was... I was disappointed that the Browns didn't close this one out after we had all kind of crowned Lamar. I felt like that was the consensus after midseason awards, you know. Everybody said Lamar was their MVP. The consensus was he's the leading vote-getter, and then he comes out and does this. The pick six swings the tide for the Browns. He gives it to Greg Newsom. Newsom houses it, and it kind of sets him up for the comeback. This is how the Ravens lose, though, Carson. That's kind of been the theme of every loss, it feels like, of the Lamar Jackson era. It's like... They, even if it doesn't, you know, even if they put up 30 points, if they put up 25, it seems like the Ravens have a three to six point lead with five minutes left. And it's up to Lamar to not turn the ball over. And he's done that a decent amount to where it's a little bit concerning for me late in games where I worry about his control. He's been under control most of this year, but the three losses have been marginal errors that have cost them. You know, they've all been single possession ball games. That's, 
that's the one thing I'm worried about is the Ravens losing in this style in the playoffs where they got a lead and Lamar turns the ball over because that's been, I feel like every loss of the Lamar Jackson era has been eerily similar to how they lost this game. Just one late game mistake that cost them. I still think the Ravens are one of the best teams in football. They are a top-notch contender. I think they're in a different tier than the Browns to me because of how reliant uh, Lamar is at the QB position. But this is a really good win for the Browns. And again, if Deshaun can play like he did in the second half the rest of this way, I do buy into the Browns as legit playoff contenders. It's the same conversation we've been having about <laughs> Cleveland all year. There is yeah, so man. much obvious talent on this football team. Of course, defensively above all else, but it's a great line. They can really run the football. They have a damn good number one receiver in Amari Cooper, and it's just about what they can get from the quarterback position. And sitting at 6-3 and three, with how bad that quarterback play has been for most of the year is really impressive. I just want to see Deshaun string together multiple good performances before I express any level of confidence in what we're seeing from him. Because even in this game, dude... It's totally the tale of two halves. It's all the same stuff that we've seen from him in the first half of this game. All of the bad stuff. Out of sync, time is off, spraying balls all over the field. And then he does play a much better second half. I still think he is so much more reliant on his athleticism right now than he was in his Houston days, though. Like, if you think about the signature plays in this game, his touchdown pass, he does a really good job of extending that play, but it's damaged outside of the pocket. He comes up with the huge first down to get them into field goal range, basically winning them the game on that final drive. It's a big-time scramble. I just don't think that we've seen really at any point the level of pocket passing Deshaun Watson that we did when he was at his best. So I'm still not sold on that. But I think the Browns are a really tough matchup for the Ravens because they are huge and they are so powerful in the trenches. You sort of see a nice visualization of their advantage on that one play where they just keep pushing the back for the first down. They go like five, six extra yards. And the Ravens aren't at their best there. This is a defense with a lot of speed, a defense that's really good at all three levels. But against the run, they've just been 14th in yards per attempt. It's not the strength of this defense. And the Browns had a lot of success on the ground in this game. They run for 178 yards on 4.9 yards per attempt. And the Ravens really couldn't stop them in the second half. The last three drives, they go touchdown, touchdown, game-winning field goal, which was all they needed. And they went 60 yards on that drive. So that is a bit disappointing from a defense that has been playing at such a high level to see them sort of get manhandled in this matchup. But the Browns' defense also made huge plays. They don't win this game without the pick six, as you mentioned, which is a deflection. It's not like Lamar just threw the ball into Greg Newsom's hands. But still, Lamar just couldn't get anything going down the real home stretch of this game. Like, the final drive, they stagnate. He has the pick six before that. And so he couldn't put this game away. The Browns got a lot of pressure in this one, as they always do. So... I still view the Ravens as a superior team. It's exactly what you said. But in terms of overall football talent, it's really not that big of a gap. And you see that in this one. If Lamar isn't going to play well, of course the Browns can beat the Ravens. They are that stacked in terms of talent across the 22 starters on this roster. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's frustrating uh, because I do think the, I think the Ravens are way more talented than this. It's just strange, man. They're hot and cold. You know what I mean? I feel like there's better teams that are just more consistent, and Ravens are tend to go through these lulls. When they're really hot, you see them drop a 35-40 to 40 piece. When they struggle to get in rhythm, this tends to happen. I'm still not ready to make any big takeaways. Like you said, dude, We 
we need to see it more consistently from Deshaun. He's the X factor. And the AFC North right now is wide open, man. I don't know who's going to make the playoffs. Like, I can really see... Uh, <laughs> please. That would be awesome. Steelers-Ravens AFC title game, baby. Let's make it happen. Something stupid. Uh, the AFC North is, is loaded and really bad at the same time no no it's, no 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 it is not really well, the bad the Steelers, oh, the Steelers are bad the Steelers are pretty bad yeah yeah <laughs> everybody else <Okay>. is good <laughs> props to the Steelers though man they just keep winning they keep finding a way one more thing on this game just because you articulated exactly what this stat that I'm about to share is gonna show you talk about how it feels like the Ravens keep losing games in the same fashion Ben Solak had a great tweet today great follow on Twitter super smart football guy the Ravens have lost seven games in the last two regular seasons with Lamar as the starter they had at least a 75% win probability according to ESPN in the fourth quarter of every single one all seven and in five of the seven they had a 90% chance to win in the fourth and that's been the case in every single game that we've talked about this year where they've lost every single time you go away thinking well they were the better football team that was weird it was just one or two weird moments but there's a trend of that happening to them that's an awesome stat Carson and I think that should be a testament to what Lamar Jackson does for your football team at the quarterback position I know that Lamar's had the benefit of playing with great defenses with really good offensive lines but I mean that's a remarkable level of consistency that's like, you know, Mahomes level. We've been saying that. He's up there for the top four QBs in the league. Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar. Like, when you can consistently put your team that close to winning every game, yeah, man, suit up. I want you as my QB. That's that's a remarkable stat, dude. And I just think that speaks volumes about Lamar's value as a QB, dude. He's... I, I wouldn't put this loss on him. I know he throws the pick six. This is not on Lamar. It's sort of on Lamar. I think it's more on the defense because they couldn't get a stop down the stretch, but Lamar didn't convert in big spots and he did have a very costly turnover. I think that's an interesting takeaway. That's not exactly what I think when I see this stat, but it does speak to just how damn good they are that they haven't been out of a yeah. football game with Lamar in two exactly, years. Exactly, man. And I mean that they damn near should be undefeated in the regular season over the last two yeah. years. Like that is pretty crazy. The Ravens are really good. And I think that they remain a top two team in the AFC, but it is tough to bet on anybody over Mahomes with this defense. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit. Deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. But 
You know who looked pretty great in the NFC, Logan? The San Francisco 49ers. They were back to business. Just stomped on the Jags in this one. Big win coming off the bye. What did you take away from this? I'm going to start with a negative here. I, I Love it. I, this, is why, this is why I can't take the Jags serious, man. It's frustrating. They're on a tor- torrid run. I mean, they're hot. They're blazing hot. I didn't pick. You know, I was cooking up uh, the parlays before the game started. I didn't end up putting one in because mm. I didn't. I didn't have full faith in it, and I didn't want to lose money this week. Sure. Um, so I, I didn't put in a bet. But I thought about taking the Niners in this one. But I was like, you know what, man, I'm gonna back off. The Jags have been hot. Maybe Trevor Lawrence comes out here, has a really good game, and somehow they stun the the Niners, who have you know lost four straight. Uh, I, I'm just disappointed. I, I want to take the Jags serious. I want to propel Trevor Lawrence into the best QBs on the planet conversation, you know, definitively in that top five with those other guys. I think you could argue Trevor Lawrence in that group, but I don't think it's yeah, definite, you know? No. Trevor I, I, was... I don't think he's played at that level this year to be in that conversation. No he, no, he hasn't, and that's what's frustrating, right, is Trevor Lawrence is touted as the greatest QB prospect, you know, arguably since Peyton Manning. The prince who was I, promised. Yeah, it, all the success in college, and I, I just want to see the Jags put it all together and maybe not even put it all together, but it's all too routine for them to lay a goose egg, to just not show up to the game. It's just another disappointing loss. ETN can't get anything going. I sung his praises last week. I said maybe he's Offensive Player of the Year. He goes for under 40 yards total in this game. The Jags just never got it going, and I know this is an elite defense, but against elite defenses, it shouldn't matter when you have an elite quarterback. Is it an elite defense or is it a good defense, Logan? You don't. You think the Niners are a good? Oh, defense. oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the Jags. No, I think the Niners are an elite no, defense. I'm saying it shouldn't matter against an elite defense. It's your job. It's your responsibility to go out there and turn it up and to ball out. No excuses. He hasn't done that, and the Jags consistently against real opponents have not met expectations. And I'm disappointed. The Jags to me are still in that pretender tier. I'd have them above the Chargers, but come on, man. It's the Chargers. You know, the Jags are in their tier of their own where they're pretenders, they're good, sometimes they're great, but they're not real contenders yet, and I just continue to be disappointed. On the Niners' side of this, I've been waiting on a bounce-back game from them. Shout-out Christian McCaffrey, 17 straight games with a TD, comes to an end in this one, tied with the great Baltimore Colt Lenny Moore throwback right there. Uh, the Niners are really, really talented, and I've never hopped off the bandwagon. The offense gets in rhythm. They run the ball well. They hit a big plays to George Kittle. That one-on-one shot play to Devin Lloyd was genius. I don't know how Brock Purdy got that football out of there. He was swarmed. He was under duress by Jacksonville pressure. Uh, and T-Law makes a pretty big mistake in this one, too, dude. Uh, the interception to Hafanga, man, it's like... A, he rolls out of the pocket. It's like a far vest pick, man. He's trying to get out under duress, wants to get the ball, gets, uh, get rid of the ball so it's uh, not a sack, and he throws it directly to Hafanga. It's little mistakes like that, man. It, to me, it reinforces the Jags are still pretenders. I cannot take them seriously, and they might not even be the best team in their division. I might take the Texans. And on the flip side of this, I never hopped off the Niners bandwagon, man. I believe. I still think the Niners are a legit, legit team. I know they beat up on the Jags, who are pretenders, but they got to get a few more games to establish rhythm and to get back in sync. And now that they've added Chase Young, I know they wanted a cornerback. I still think that's their biggest need on defense. That helps alleviate a lot of pressure on the back end when you can get home on the quarterback uh, the way they did. Uh, 
I like the Niners. I'm really, really disappointed in the Jags more than anything else, though, man. The Niners, though, man, this is a statement win, and they needed this. And, of course, they are absolutely loaded in terms of talent. And I think it's pretty simple. When Brock Purdy plays like this, they are the best team in football. When Brock Purdy is making mistakes, they are not. And sometimes they can't overcome that. But also, we had seen the defense regress a bit in the past few weeks, and I thought this was a dominant performance from them. I did think the secondary played well. I really liked the play calling. I thought they did a good job of disguising coverages, mixing things up, and then the pass rush with Chase Young. It's just unstoppable now, dude. And I have so much respect for a team just continuing to go all in on this talent. And the Chase Young move might end up being a free ad for a star level player because when he just walks in free agency, they're not going to be able to pay him, but they might get a third round compensatory pick for him, which is what they gave. I love that aggression in terms of roster building, obviously adding Javon Hargrave on that front in the offseason too. Like they just keep getting more stacked on that front and that's it. They just ate Trevor alive in this game. It was as dominant a defensive performance as I think we've seen this year. And that's what the Niners are capable of. They had come down a bit in terms of their level in the past few weeks. And they rose to the occasion in this one coming off the bye. Really, really dominant win. And the Jags, to me, are pretenders. Like, in the sense that they're not contenders. They've never really fooled me into thinking like, oh boy, they could go out there. And yeah, maybe I would pick them against the Chiefs or the Ravens. They win football games against inferior teams. And that's something that's worth lauding. That's something that a lot of teams can't do. And there's a reason they're sitting at six and three, but I just don't see anything that they do exceptionally well. And that's what I've continued to say. Ridley, unfortunately, has been inconsistent this year. Trevor's been inconsistent. The run game's been inconsistent. The defense is good, not great. They're just good. They're an above average football team. They're not going to make any serious noise. And that's that. But if we're talking about making noise, Logan, you know who has everybody in Minnesota screaming skull right now? One Joshua Dobbs, the pastronaut. It just brings a little bit of magic into the arena his first couple weeks in a new spot. We'll see if he can keep it up. It, it got a little ugly in Arizona, but another big-time win for him. The Vikings now 6-4, and four, man. Mm-hmm. What did you take away from them beating the Saints? Hey, man, what did I say last week? The Vikings are going to make a playoff push with Josh Dobbs, I believe, man. The not playoff push. Carson, no quarterback had thrown for 275 yards against the Saints. In 35 games. And then the pastor not came to town and he took care of business. That's what Josh Dobbs does, man. 2-0 as a Viking starter. The Vikes have won five straight. Like you mentioned, they're sitting at 6-4. and four. And I think the defense is slowly improving. Like I said, man, defenses are the side of the ball that you can project to get better. Now, this is against the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston comes in and stinks the joint up. Uh... I'll, I'll talk about Jameis in a minute, but I think the Vikings defense... Rashid down there somewhere. I guess. Uh, I think the Vikings defense is is trending upward. They got a top-notch pass rusher into Neil Hunter. He gets a sack in this one. And again, man, I just trust Brian Flores to, to get this group where it needs to go. Not to great level, but to good enough where they can be competitive and maybe make the playoffs. I, specifically to Dobbs, I'm amazed by his athleticism and how much it buys him time. He's a really, really good athlete. You know, I don't know if he's a – I don't know where he ranks. I'll tell you this. 
I would take him over Kenny Pickett. I'd take him over, you know, the likes of Mac Jones. I'd take him over Zach Wilson. Like, I think Dobbs is a serviceable starter, and he's better than, you know, dead last, bottom of the league where we expected Dobbs to be. He's a good quarterback, and he can manage the ship. As for Jameis Winston, dude, I love Jameis. I've never seen a quarterback play with such reckless abandonment and such, I really do not care where this ball goes. Like, he has absolutely no concern for protecting the football. The one TD I've never seen, he rolls out all the way to the left side, like at the 20-yard hash, and then throws it across his body, across the field to the back corner of the end zone for a jump ball TD to eight it was at perry i've never heard of that guy before. yeah at perry that's his jump ball guy bro he trusts him with his life elite players make elite plays that is what they do i've never seen that throw before first of all we're gonna bring it back the massive balls on yes to say i'm gonna throw that ball and then to do it and then later in the game two of the worst picks i've ever seen a go route when the corner is clearly dropping it's clearly they're dropping into quarters or to thirds, the cornerback is clearly dropping into a deep third. There's open guys over the middle, and Jameis just says, ah, you know what, let's give it a shot. Throws it up there, interception. The second pick's even worse. Again, guys are open over the middle of the field. Jameis could make a good business decision and get 10 yards. He says, nah, I want it all in one play. I'm trying to eat the whole pie right now. Throws it into basically quadruple coverage. Jameis Winston is not a winning quarterback, but he's an enigma, man. I is he? I love Jameis. I think he's actually pretty easy to understand. What, what do you think of Jameis? Uh, well, it's exactly what you just said, bro. He's got massive balls, and he doesn't care, <laughs> and he's going to let that thing rip. He's Mr. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, bro. That's really not that confusing. It's pretty straightforward. He's going to make a sick play, and he's going to make an awful play to offset it, and that's the Jameis Winston experience. I've never... I've never seen a quarterback play the position like Jameis, man. I would be so... He's a gunslinger! He's the last... He might be the last one. The last actual gunslinger, man. No. Josh is a gunslinger, pal. Jameis is just unnecessarily reckless. And, like, even beyond the interceptions, bro, he's got another couple that he's heaving, like, 45 yards downfield into double or triple (laughs) coverage. It's so wild. I do respect it. And I really respect Josh Dobbs, man. I don't know how sustainable I think it is just because of what happened in Arizona where he got off to such a great start and it felt like, wow, not only is he super athletic, but he is executing this offense. He's not making killer mistakes. And then it started to be like, all right, maybe he's a little bit too aggressive with the football. He is making these back-breaking turnovers. And all of a sudden, a team that was fun, competitive, is getting blown out. And I think that Josh Dobbs bared responsibility in that. But yeah, of course, he's better than Zach Wilson. I mean, let's not insult the guy. He's better than Ritter or Heineke, whoever they want to be the starter in Atlanta. Because he can make plays. I mean, he has legitimate playmaking upside. And you see that in this game. He played so, so well. Great connection with Hawkinson. Addison is just the man. The totality of that weapons group, once Jettis is back, now that we've seen how much Addison has emerged, is going to be in the truly elite tier in the NFL. What the Vikings are doing is awesome. And when you consider how they were losing games early in this season, like... They could be knocking on the door, dude, of of 8-2 and two right now, which feels so crazy. But it was just those unfortunate turnovers, the weird fumbles. They have 11 turnovers through the first 
four weeks, and that's how they get out to that one and three start, lose a couple close games to good football teams. But it's really, really cool what they're doing. I don't see them as a team that can make real noise because I don't trust Dobbs enough. I still don't think they run the ball well. And I think of this defense, although trending upwards, is still not legitimately good. But I do think it's respectable. I just don't see where they excel as a football team unless Josh Dobbs is just out of his mind for the rest of the year. But it's like we've talked about. The wild card spots in the NFC outside of the NFC East, where the Cowboys probably are going to finish second in that division, and that's a great football team. Super open. The Seahawks are underwhelming again today. Like, nobody's really legitimately good outside of the top four because the NFC South winner is also not legitimately good. So the Vikings may make it on account of that. I think they do. Where are you? Are you with me? Like, are you trying to get aboard the the past or not aircraft, man? The spaceship. I think that I've made my position clear. I really like it when Josh Dobbs is playing well. I'm just a little bit more worried about the bottom falling out from under. Nah, but I want the take. I want the take. Vikings playoff team or no? I think the Vikings probably make the playoffs. Let me check their schedule, dude. Just because everybody else sucks, though. Yeah, I think the Vikings make the playoffs. I do. They go Broncos, Bears, Raiders, Packers again. I think that if you get to nine wins, you are definitely making it. Somebody's got to make it. And by default, honestly, the Vikings are probably a good choice. But you know who Josh Dobbs left in the dust, Logan? Not by choice, actually. They sent him out of town. But the Arizona Cardinals, who got their guy back today, Kyler Murray, and they actually managed to win a football game with him out there, and he led the game-winning drive. What did you think about Kyler in his first game back in action? I was thrilled, man. I was thrilled, and I think a lot of people, they forgot about Cade. A lot of people forgot mm, about Kyler mm-hmm. Murray, man. Even me. Like, I think I disrespected Kyler points, too. You know, I was putting other QBs above him in top 10 conversations. I do think Kyler's oh, top 10. When you just look really? at his raw mm, talent. Fire yeah. me up. Uh I was, I We're was getting the top that, 10 out of you I right now, think- Logan. I need your top 10 quarterbacks. Not necessarily in order. Just give me the 10 names because we can't keep doing this. We can't keep floating out 16 guys know, as I top know, 10. Give me your top 10. All right. Lamar, Pat, Allen, Burrow, Lawrence, Hurts. Herbert. I'm going. So that's Herbert. seven. I always forget about. Why is Herbert always the guy that I forget about, man? I'm going Forgot Herbert. Herb. Stroud. I'm going Kyler. I'm going Stroud. Who's the last guy? Is it Jared? Go- no, it's probably Dak. I'll okay, Dak. so just Dak to be clear, you're leaving out Kirk. You're leaving out Goff. You're leaving out Tua. I don't think you can leave Kirk out of the top ten with the level he was playing at this year. I was going to say, I was going to say, if we go healthy Kirk, I'd probably put healthy Kirk ten. First guy off would be Dak. Second guy off would be Goff. Third guy off Tua. would probably be okay. Tua. Interesting. Where are you? Are, are you with me? Would you would you switch any of that? Yeah, around? I don't think I would have Kyler in my top ten. I think the Dak is playing better football than him Ooh. right now. But I do think Kyler got underrated. Kyler got so disrespected because the Cardinals were a bad football team that he was actively working to cover up their many glaring flaws, their lack of good weapons, just a lot of all around ineptitude. And as we talked about. I don't think the relationship between him and the organization is salvageable. Like, if they were to get the number one pick, I think that they should take Caleb and trade Kyler. But you're going to get a lot back for Kyler because he is a special talent. He is guy. He is a guy who's absolutely been stamped as top 10 
at various times throughout his career. Like he's had some really great moments. I just think we saw some inconsistency from him last season. But it's special, the stress that he puts on a defense because of how uniquely great he is extending plays because of the arm talent, of course. I mean, he does some really special stuff out of structure, and he's certainly an above-average starting quarterback, even if I don't think he's quite top 10 at this point. And that's exactly why you buy into Kyler, especially with the weapons that they have now. I think this offensive line is underrated. They're not good. They're not great, but I think they're respectable. I like the weapons around Kyler this year. Uh, him and Trey McBride clearly have a good connection. Uh, I like Hollywood Brown. I think he's a good weapon. And I think Michael Wilson's underrated. I think this guy is going to break out with an actual QB getting him the football. He ate a little bit today, and I think they're going to trend upwards. Again, does it make a big enough difference? Do they climb out of the number one spot? Because I, I think that's what Kyler's playing for. I think Kyler's trying to win enough games he can stick it out in Arizona. You think he wants to be you know in Arizona? I mean? I don't know. I, I think... probably wouldn't, even though I even though I yeah, there. damn. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I, you could get a haul back for Kyler, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think about hypothetical destinations where he could go. There's a lot of QB mm-hmm. needy teams. The Falcons, bro. Imagine you if you about... gave the Falcons Kyler. How sick would that be? <sighs> yeah. That butters my that butters yeah, my Yeah, it does. Person. Yeah, I, I mean that's a great landing spot. I think. Uh, who else? If if the Giants could somehow make the money work with like oh, Daniel Jones oh, or something nah. like that. Like the Giants death. suck, bro. They suck no matter what. Yeah, the Giants do suck. But there's a lot of QB needy teams if there is. And the one play that I'd point to, the final play like you alluded to, the game-winning drive, fourth quarter, third and ten, you have to have it. He gets flushed out to the left and <laughs> runs probably 50 yards <laughs> to go and get that first down. He's a special yeah. arm and... He's just a special arm talent. He's super agile. He's super fast. And there was a point, Carson, two years ago when the Cardinals were on that uh, undefeated yeah. streak. You know, I was arguing Kyler is the top yeah. five QB. Uh, the arm talent was on display. The accuracy was on display today. The speed was. If Kyler shows a commitment to really, you know, getting better, and he looked great today, like, like you know, in, in working with this offense, I think – I think the Cardinals. Uh, I think I think he's a top ten guy, and I think the Cardinals are going to be better as the season goes along. I don't think they end up with the number one pick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have the they and they have the Texans pick too, right? That's not going to be up there in the draft. So, I, I ultimately don't think they make a QB change. I would too, but I think Kyler's going to carry this team to you know five or six wins by the end. Interesting. Of the year. He definitely makes them a much more competent football team. He's very good, and. Uh, I don't really have a ton to add to what you say. I mean, this wasn't a perfect game from him. He does have the interception, but when it came down to it, he made big-time plays. Shout-out to Trey McBride also making the adjustment on that ball that really clinched it. Like, he had to fight back for that thing a little bit, but that's another deep throw from Kyler. He makes the Cardinals respectable. A huge reason that we were having these conversations about if Arizona could go winless this year is because I didn't think that they were going to trot Kyler out there. I thought he would probably just want to preserve his body, not risk injury, and I didn't think the Cardinals would care about winning football games. I thought that they would just want to tank for that number one pick, but now that he is back out there, he certainly makes them a much better football team. Opposite this dude, I just remain disappointed in the Atlanta Falcons. That's all.
you have 70 passing yards on the day when you account for sack yardage lost, 94 uh, total gains. It just pains me, bro. Like another game with another awesome Drake London catch. Just such a playmaker. Uh, Bijan has some awesome moments in this game. What does it matter? What does it all mean? Not much. Speaking of not meaning much, Logan, the Steelers are 6-3. and three. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, like I said earlier, I mean, we still suck. Like, I'm not convinced <laughs> that the Steelers don't suck. Yeah, uh, but do you? Well, here, let me read some numbers to you. So, great, great stat courtesy of uh, Brooke Pryor. She covers the Steelers. Uh, There's the 23rd team to be outgained in each of their first nine games <laughs> since rushing and receiving yards started being tracked in 1933. This year's Steelers team is the first one ever to have a winning record. Not only do they have a winning record, they are 6-3. and three. They have been out... Hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Logan, that almost feels incredibly obvious. The crazier part of that is that they're the 23rd ever. That's since they started tracking just yardage, you say? So that's in over 100 years of football. So let's say... So, so one every five years, maybe, there is a team... That is this consistently outplayed by their opposition through the first nine weeks. That is mind-boggling. Forget the winning record. That's unbelievable that they could even be a remotely competitive football team. Having three wins with that track record historically would be impressive. It's absurd. They've been outgained in every single game this year. This game was the first time they'd out-earned their opponents in terms of first downs. They, you know, we've been out-earned in yards and first downs in every game. The Steelers are 6-3. They have run fewer plays than their opponents. We have a negative 26-point differential. But it's a culture. It's the culture, man. Carson, in 256 games under Mike Tomlin, how many games do you think Pittsburgh has played where they are out of playoff contention? I'm going to go with that means they are not sitting in a playoff spot. They have no chance of making the playoffs, yeah. Oh, they're eliminated. Yeah. I'm going to go with, like, two then. One. I mean, it's it's the Tomlin way. It's, it's how the Steelers win football games. I'll tell you as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, it is beyond frustrating. I can't ever sit and chill on a Sunday and kick my feet up and go, oh, yeah, easy dub. There's no easy dubs yeah. in Pittsburgh. It's always a grime fest. No. So was this one. And I'm still concerned about the Steelers. Shout out. Finally move the ball. Matt Canada's back on the sideline. We open up with two rushing TDs. We have 205 rushing yards. My man Broderick Jones is eating on the offensive line. He has been awesome. I'm so glad we're starting him. But I'm still concerned. First of all, we cannot finish drives. We settle for a ton of field goals in this one. Kenny Pickett is beyond frustrating. I would take so many other quarterbacks above him right now. Not so many, but I mean, he's sitting at like 27th, 28th on my hierarchy of starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Not where you want to be. And we ran the ball. Good. If we keep doing that, we're not going to have to lean on Kenny a whole lot, but he's still struggling to get the ball out to George. Like, that's my thing too, man, is I understand George Pickens' frustration. He's so talented. He's so consistently open. It has to be frustrating. When you're this talented, a freak athlete, one of the best receivers in the game, I'm convinced, if you had a quarterback that could get him the ball... He'd eat, but he doesn't. He's got Kenny Pickett back there, and Kenny's raw. He's just, he doesn't use the entirety of the field. He doesn't make these big game-breaking throws. He is really limiting, and the bigger thing about that is I'm worried about the defense moving forward, Carson. They suffer another massive injury to a linebacker today. It is a huge injury. 
Cole Holcomb was injured last week, is going to be out the rest of the year. In this game, Quan Alexander, who we signed, tears his Achilles. He's going to be out the rest of the year. What does that mean for the linebacking core moving forward? Alandon Roberts is going to take over number one duties. Alandon Roberts is a great tackler and he's a great run stopper, but he's slow and he cannot guard over the middle. The number two linebacker in the middle, Mark Robinson. Good tackler, good run stopper, cannot cover over the middle. He's slow and he's short. The secondary, uh, Love was connecting with the Packers receivers all over the middle of the field, attacking our linebackers, attacking our secondary. We just made big plays uh, and did enough to get the job done. Pat Pete breaks up uh, the play at the end of the game on Christian Watson. Uh, he throws an interception to Keanu Neal earlier in the game, and like I said, he throws that pick to KZ that Pat breaks up. So I'm worried about the defense a little bit over the middle. Like, that has been the weak point of the Steelers' defense for the past couple years. I thought this was the strongest linebacking core we had had since Ryan Shazier was fully healthy and playing. And now, that is probably the weakest part of our defense in a serious zone that defenses are going to be able to attack. Again, our secondary has been average at best uh, this entire year. Our linebacking core has been slightly above average. Now you are looking at a front four that is really good, that is still going to exert a ton of pressure on the quarterback, probably one of the best in the league, but our back seven is not strong whatsoever. And I want to give a big uh, shout out to Minka Fitzpatrick too. Carson, he audibled that final play call. Uh, Minka is not playing in this football game. He's been injured the past couple of weeks. He called a timeout and went up to our defensive coordinator and told him the play to call. We dropped seven guys in the end zone and created a picket fence. Minka's the reason we get an interception on that final play of the game because of the audible that he called. When he comes back, we're going to be a little better, but the offense is running the ball better, but Kenny Pickett has not made strides, and we're going to get Minka Fitzpatrick back, but we're down two linebackers. So it's like we've taken steps ahead, but while we're doing that, it feels like we're also taking steps back. I still don't feel like the Steelers are a really good football team. Again, like the number that I gave at the top of this segment, it is remarkable that they are here. It is... Yeah. It is... It's an anomaly in football history that the Steelers are this good with this yeah. shitty of a football team. I don't know how they do it. I hope they keep doing it. I'm going to keep the face, Steeler Nation, but... <laughs> the signs aren't that encouraging. Yeah, this is actually unfathomable. <laughs> so I went out there, and that entire time that you were talking about how the Steelers <laughs> sucked, I tallied up some numbers about their football team, and uh turns out there's some really interesting stuff there, Logan. So the Steelers are 28th in yards gained, per game, and they are 28th in yards allowed per game. So they're a bottom five team in football on both sides of the ball. They're 26th in rushing yards allowed per mm -hmm. attempt. They're 19th in rushing yards per attempt. So they're a horrible run defense and they're a bad rushing mm -hmm. offense. They're 26th in passing yards per attempt and they're 23rd in passing yards allowed per attempt. So they are a bad passing offense and they are a bad passing defense. Wow. I like, think the Steelers suck. It, <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude, that's what everything would indicate, but they're six and three, aren't they, pal? It's unbelievable that just timely defensive plays, those big swing turnovers and the, the defensive dude, the touchdowns. Block kick that I didn't mention in this game, man, it all, it yeah, all counts like, up. It is such an irregular, almost incomprehensible formula, but I don't know how you discount it. Like, it's real, man. Mike Tomlin is going to lead the Steelers to win football games. What's just so shocking is that this really is one of the weaker defenses still of 
the Steelers era, but they make timely plays, man. The interception in the red zone, like this is just what they do. Of course, the Packers aren't good, so it's not like you look at that as like a signature win. And they haven't beaten a lot of good teams at all, Any, yeah, really. Any. But they beat the Ravens. Well, but they beat the Ravens and the Browns, and they had defensive touchdowns in both those games, right? They had two against the Browns. I don't really have anything to say other than the Steelers are bad, but the Steelers are never going to uh, lose more football games than they win with Mike Tomlin. It's just not possible. But you know who is just bad under a great coach, Logan? The New England Patriots. They hang six on the Colts over in Germany. I mean, what do you even make of that at this point? I know that they suck, but any takes from them sucking this badly? They bench Mac Jones again in this one after another abysmal performance. Uh, yeah, I, Bailey Zappi made a big-time play to seal the oh game. Oh, yeah, man, big time. Clinch the game for the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, yes. I want to give you props, Carson, for being uh, ahead of the curve on this trend. There were a lot of uh, Mac Jones defenders after week two and three. Mac Jones actually not that bad, man. Mac Jones was really good his rookie year. Yeah, Those takes did not age well. Mac Jones is a bad NFL quarterback. I mean, the interception that he throws in the red zone is one of the worst I've ever seen. I, yeah, You're literally. rolling out and you throw it six yards right to the defender. My man. I, I could have made a better yeah. throw than that. Bailey Zappi comes in here. Um, the fake spike into quadruple coverage. He At the end of it, they interview him. Uh, I saw this clip going around. He said that he, didn't say, he couldn't say what he wanted to say. I, I'm not sure what that means. Like, did you... <laughs> Illuminati... <laughs> Freemasons calling plays for the Pats. Confirmed. Did 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 you yeah. not like the play call? Did you? I, I don't know. Uh, Let me ask you this: Do you really think that the zap attack would mess up in such a way, or do you think that there are other forces at work here? What's more logical? I mean, I'd never expect that Bailey Zappi made a bad football I'd never play. Never expect that, or that there's some sort of wild conspiracy. There has here. to be something else at play. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I Bailey, agree. Zappi, Bailey Zappi would never do something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the first time the Patriots have sat at 2-8 and eight since the year 2000. I know a lot of people are... Let's go! Right. <laughs> Finally, the reign of terror is over. A lot of people have been saying that, you know, Brady made Belichick. I think it was hand-in-hand hand, uh, a great defense with a great quarterback at play. I think Mac Jones sucks, and I really... No, 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 I know this now. Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien have no idea what they are doing offensively and desperately need yeah. someone else to come in and not retool, completely overhaul this offense. It is stinkier than the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers, which is kind of shocking oh, yeah. to say. And Mac Jones is an XFL quarterback. Yeah, Mac sucks, man. I mean, they really have to move on. And, of course, it's a terrible situation. We've had this conversation several times throughout this year. They are not good anywhere. Their line sucks. Their running back play is not good. Their receiving weapons are very bad. But Mack is also very bad. He makes terrible decisions with the football. Literally one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen today on what could have been a yeah. huge touchdown if he puts the ball Wide over open. the top. I cannot understand what happened there. I really can't. It's not a matter of weather obviously it's not a matter of him getting hit it is just one of the worst throws i have ever seen in my life from an nfl quarterback and it's a nice little capstone on a horrible year from him and of course they have nothing in bailey zappy either like they have to look elsewhere they have to completely scrap and rebuild this offense and if i were bill i would be done i'm skipping town i think dude. that they're too far away i think that this should be the final year and it's a really bad way to go out but his legacy 
is sealed to me. Like, there is no question about his brilliance, and I think the people with hindsight will understand that, how important he was as the greatest architect of defenses that we've ever seen. We've never seen such sustained defensive brilliance. The Steelers come close, but what the Pats did for those two decades and how vital Bill was as a brilliant mind to all of that, that's undeniable. Of course, he and Brady were both crucial to each other's success at the level that they achieved, which is an unprecedented level throughout NFL history to win six Super Bowls with the same coach-quarterback tandem. But things are not getting much better here fast. They will get better from being like one of the absolute worst teams in the NFL in the conversation for the worst team in the NFL right now. But uh, they're not contending anytime soon, and Bill's 71. So Let me ask you this. If they get Caleb Williams, would that be enough if you were Bill Belichick Shit. to come back into the fold? That's a good question. That's a good question. Man, eh, why not? I don't know. If they really felt like they could overhaul the offense quickly, which a talent that dynamic is sort of the only hope that you would have in that respect, and if he actually found a good offensive mind to hire, not Bill O'Brien, then maybe you take one last crack at it. But they're distance from winning Super Bowls again is far. Of course, this defense could be better if Judon and Christian Gonzalez were healthy this year. A lot of things have gone wrong for them, but they were going to suck no matter what, and even Billy Boy could not save them from that. Speaking of sucking, Logan, last thing we'll touch on quickly here. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast. Podcast Network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Sunday Night Football, man. 
Just another joy to watch in a standalone primetime slate. Beautiful 2023 football. Raiders, Jets. What did you take away from the Raiders, who, by the way, are now 5-5? Five and five? You know, I like Antonio Pierce as a leader, as a coach. I like the culture that he's instilling over there. Mm-hmm. I just feel so bad that Zach Wilson can't even escape. Like, he can't even have a bad game at, like, 1 o'clock where we can all forget about it by 8. You know what I mean? He's always in prime time. He's always yeah. playing horribly. I will say, that final drive, I was really impressed, and I, I liked some of his throws. I liked some of his play extension. And I think Garrett Wilson catches that football if Tyler Conklin doesn't put his hand up. Like, I think Conklin— Oh, could you imagine? I wanted That was I wanted such a sick play to get that ball there. Yeah, and Zach, uh, the jump throw that he made when he was getting sacked uh, up yeah, the seam route to Conklin was a nice one. You know, it sucks because— I feel like we see like eight good plays of Zach Wilson, and then he, you know, during a game where I'm like, this was definitely one of his better games. I agree with you. And even the pick in this game wasn't like disgusting. It wasn't like, what in God's name are you doing? He just stared down his receiver too mm-hmm. long, and then Spillane made a great play. But Zach made some really great athletic plays, buying himself time, scrambling too. Yeah, like he. Played a good Zach Wilson game. He's just not very good, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I thought the Jets were on the cusp. I, I feel bad for a couple of parties. Zach Wilson that he can't escape prime time, and Robert Sala that he can't escape Zach Wilson. Man, when we yeah, can real, finally bro. free Robert Sala and give him an average NFL quarterback, I think the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's the only logical outcome. Yeah, Logan, you actually picked that yeah. this year, if you can remember it. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I wasn't that long I ago. I believe in Salah. I believe in this defense. But, like, they hold their opponent to 20, under 20 points every game. They just cannot put yeah, it in no. the end zone. I think they're probably the best defense in football, honestly. It's them, the Browns, the Ravens, the Niners, if they keep playing like this. But who has been as reliably great? Who has given so many quarterbacks off days? Like, they are just so consistently punishing there, man. And it, it just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all, bro. I hope that I'm crossing my fingers that the Jets can stay alive long enough that we can get Aaron Rodgers back out on the field. Yeah, stay alive. Well, I don't think that they're gonna die, but maybe somebody might put them out of their misery. I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say about the Raiders. Or the Jets, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Raiders, dude. The Raiders suck, bro. How are the Raiders five and five? Like that is just so mind-boggling to me. This is another team that is just not good and has somehow found a way to win games. Now, their defense is solid. I definitely don't think it's as good as the numbers would suggest because I think that they have held some really bad offenses in check. Holding the Broncos to 16 isn't very impressive. Allowing the Steelers to drop 23 on you is frankly concerning. Holding the Packers to 13, not that impressive. The Pats to 17, not that impressive. Letting the Bears drop 30 on you, concerning. Holding the Giants to 6, not impressive. Holding the Jets to 12. like They've only beaten awful football teams. Awful football teams. And they've only really had good defensive performances against all awful football teams the lions put up almost 500 yards of offense on them the bills put up 450 yards of offense and 38 points so i am not impressed by them at all in any way it's so funny everybody is hyping up antonio pierce i don't know if there's a better gig than new head coach man everybody loves new head coach everybody buys in 
I just don't know why we're frothing at the mouth because he decided to run the football a lot in this game, bro. Like, Chris Collinsworth, I mean, like, Josh Jacobs had, like, a four-yard gain on a run in this game. and That's Antonio Pierce football, man. Here's a guy who's going to run the ball down your throat. Defensively, he's going to instill a grit in these guys, a fire in their belly. Here's a guy who just knows how to fire you up. He doesn't, he okay? doesn't fire you up? They beat the Jets. Listen, buddy. I covered ASU football when Antonio Pierce was the defensive coordinator. I uh, talked to Antonio Pierce every day for an extended period of time. I worked for 24-7 sports. He's not that great. I don't know if people are familiar with why he's now coaching the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. They seem to sort of gloss mm-hmm. over that chapter and they just say, oh, yeah, learned under Herm Edwards <laughs> at ASU. He was embroiled in a massive recruiting scandal. And then he didn't take responsibility for any of it. I don't know that he is this unbelievable leader of men that everybody is making him out to be. And I'm not impressed by what he's done with the Raiders through two weeks because they've won two games against awful football teams. I will. I have been impressed. The Raiders have played with a little more grit, with a little more tenacity. And I think him being a Super Bowl winning linebacker who knows the Here's a guy who knows what it means to be a Raider. Here's a guy who grew up with NWA, the Raiders hats. Listening to Easy Ice Cube, he gets what it means to be a Raider. All right, cool. Watch what happens when they play the Dolphins next week. They're going to get boat raced. They're going to lose by 40. And then they're going to play the Chiefs, and they're going to lose by 40. And then they're going to play the Vikings, and they're going to lose by 20. And then they're going to play the Chargers, and they're going to lose by 25. And then they're going to play the Chiefs, and they're going to lose by 35. They're going to lose by 100 points to the Colts. lose by 150 points to the Broncos, man. They suck. The Raiders still suck. Dude, I got Chris Collinsworth. And Napoleon Dynamite on the show today. <laughs> Ridiculous. I think... I, what are the odds Mark Davis still fires Antonio Pierce at the end of the year? Dude, Hire, hires I don't Bill know. Hires Bill O'Brien as the new head coach. Nine-year contract, $200 million. The biggest win for the Raiders organization is that Mark Davis got rid of his bowl cut. Oh, okay, Josh The single worst haircut no that I've ever Mark seen. Mark Davis got rid of the bowl cut? I mean, yeah, his haircut still sucks, but he got rid of the bowl cut mullet crossover, however you describe what he was doing. Bowl cut in the front, long in the back. But, yeah, he's still not exactly... Uh, now he's a lock for prom king. Rob no, he's, Lowe. A lock, he's a lock for prom king. I was think, trying to think of John Stamos's name, and I just couldn't think of it. So then I thought Rob Lowe kind of looks like the guy I'm picturing, so I'll say him. All right, there you have it, folks. Another week of football in the books. Another win for the racing Raiders, man. Four and one at home. What a powerhouse they are. If you enjoyed this show, then the good news is there's plenty more Nerd Sesh content. As I said at the top of the show, the Nerd Sesh YouTube page is gonna is gonna be where you come for all of our content. Now, every volume show, just for your awareness, is now going to its own individual page. So if there's other volume shows that you really enjoy, Hoops Tonight, getting their own page, three and out, whatever it may be. So go subscribe to them as well. And you can just listen to the podcast, same as always, across all audio platforms. You can also follow us across social media, Instagram and TikTok at NerdSesh, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can check out our merch at thevolume.com. We've got hats, we've got shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got the flags behind us. And you can join our Discord if you just want to talk football, basketball with us. Be part of our community. So with that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash.
the Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.